Hello, everyone. This is Joyce Davis, Pen Live's opinion editor, and this is another Battleground PA podcast. As usual, we have our trusted analyst, Rajette Harris, representing the newly enlivened Democrats, and we have Jeffrey Lord <laughs> for our Republican counterpart. So stay tuned. You can hear Jeffrey laughing already. This is Battleground PA. Pen Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Okay, I am back, and I, I think this is going to be quite an exhilarating conversation today. We've got a lot to talk about. If you want to join us, you can do so. Battleground PA at Twitter or Facebook, and you can send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org. And what else is there to talk about today but President Biden, oops, sorry, soon to be President <laughs> Biden, nope, 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 presidential candidate Biden is now galvanizing his Democrats around a vice presidential candidate, Kamala Harris. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The Democrats are all revved up. And raring to go, so we have Rajette Harris to talk about just where this is going to lead, and we have Jeffrey Lord, the Republican, who's going to tell us why it just won't work. So welcome, guys. How are you today? Great. Just great. All right. Probably so not as great as Rochette, but great. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it's definitely excited, I'm, I'm sure, the Democratic Party. So let's start with you, Rajette. What happened? Why did he choose her? What do you know about what's going on? Well, you know, you always have more luck on your side when you have a Harris involved. So, you know, that definitely, you know, gave her, an, you know, an up there. But, you know, my phone hasn't, <laughs> my phone hasn't stopped ringing. She's going to really put a lot of energy on the ticket. She loves the campaign. I think we're going to see a lot of her. And as I said last night, What's great about her is what I feel Joe Biden needed was a vice presidential candidate that could make the case to the American people as to why we need a change. What the Trump administration has done, why, why they're bad for America and why they should vote for the Democratic ticket and what we as Democrats can do for them. You know, this is where her background as being a prosecutor is going to come in handy because she's going to be able to make that case and she's going to be able to deliver it to the voters. Let's bring Jeffrey in here. Jeffrey, look, she was one of at least two at the end. It was Rice and Harris. And I don't know which ones the Republicans preferred, but so far the president has only said she's a little nasty or she is nasty, right? What else are you guys going to come up with? Well, I think all we have to do is look to Tulsi Gabbard, who was in the race, Democratic congresswoman from Hawaii, who was in the presidential race. And during the debates, zeroed in on uh, Kamala Harris and her record as a prosecutor, that she put over uh, 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence that would have freed some innocent soul from death row until the courts made her do it. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. On and on and on she went. So... When all the excitement, and I understand the excitement, I mean, this is inevitable with a new ticket on either side, when all the excitement dies down and people start to focus on her record, I think particularly, interestingly, 
on the progressive side, I think there may be some problems. But do you think that do you think they're going to see a relief in the Republican Party? Even if even let's just give that they have those concerns. Is it any better with Trump and Pence? Well, I certainly think that uh, the Trump base thinks it's better. I mean, in other words, I I mean, bluntly put, bluntly put, I mean, Kamala Harris is just one more Democrat. That's all. One more liberal. And and there are going to be progressives out there who feel she's not progressive enough. And that is why she's a great pick, because all this time, Jeffrey, you've been saying that, number one, the vice presidential candidate doesn't really matter, that their number one job is that they're ready to serve day one if something would happen to the president. Since her announcement, not one Republican has said that she is not ready at day one to be president. So right there. Well, I think what they're going to say is that that she's going to. She's going to be doing it right now because he's more or less incapacitated. And number two, as far as her record as prosecutor, you know, we can always pick and choose what cases for any prosecutor that we want to pick and choose from. She was attorney general for the largest uh, state in this country. So there's going to always be a case or two that people are going to pick from. But all that was vetted in the primary. And as far, far as Tulsi Gabbard is concerned, it didn't really, really do her much good. I would also like to point out that after her announcement last night, the Democrats raised over $10 million in the first two hours. Oh, wow. So so I would take that to mean that they're not overly concerned about that as well. And let's not forget that when she was running for attorney general, Donald Trump and his daughter, Ivanka, donated thousands of dollars to her campaign. So they obviously (laughs) think she's great, too. Well, he's had a change of he's had a change of heart. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And let's be honest, you have to be looking forward more to this debate with between her and Pence than the one between the two presidential candidates. I can't wait till this debate in October. All right. All right. Let me ask a question. Which vice presidential debate does everybody remember? You're probably the one the most likely to remember them. You're the historian, right? <laughs> now, Joyce, you're skating out of this. My point is that they're that they're not memorable. They, the only memorable one was the 1988 one with Lloyd Benson and Dan Quayle, in which Dan Quayle, a youthful-looking Dan Quayle, I talked about his age in relationship to John F. Kennedy, to which Lloyd Benson famously peered over his glasses, looked at him, and said. Uh, Senator, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine, and you're no Jack Kennedy. Quail still won. I think what you're missing here is the historic nature of this, that this is the first time there's going to be a black woman, a woman of, of, of South Asian descent who is on the ticket and who's in this major role. I think that's going to galvanize people. I'm just saying, I think Republicans well, and Democrats Well, and, and no disrespect to formal debates. But the only the only point of time people need to remember this debate is between October and November 3rd. Mm. That's the point in time that people need to remember what that debate is going to be, because that's when it's going to count. But, but Jeffrey, let, let's talk. Apparently, this was a uh, Trump at one point spoke quite highly or at least seemed to favor Kamala Harris. What is it about her that you think he really liked? Was it uh, her toughness or what? Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably as a prosecutor and all of that, uh, that probably appealed to him. I am amused at President Obama's description of her. I think I'm accurate about this. This was quite some time ago when he said, quote unquote, she's hot. (laughs) Hello, Mr. President, you're not supposed to say things like that. But in a serious fashion, and let me just say this as a plus four, 
I do think that she she can bring some energy to the ticket. And since we're talking about our own uh, beloved Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I do think she could have an effect on the African-American vote in places like Philadelphia and sort of gin it up in a way that it was not four years ago. So I do think that's a practical plus for her in all of this. But, you know, we're going to get at some point, I'm sure, into the whole deal about Democrats being the party of race and gender. And we already know that if Kamala Harris were a conservative black woman, they'd trash her. They wanted a woman on the ticket in 2008. They got Sarah Palin and they trashed her. They wanted a black man on the Supreme Court and they got Clarence Thomas and they trashed him. In other words... Uh, Jeffrey, we'd like to be specific, but who is the they trashed her? It's a certain segment, Liberal, right? Liberals and Democrats. Liberals and Democrats. Yeah, liberals and Democrats. And, and in the media and out and in the Democratic Party. They trash these people. In other words, what they do is that for a lot of these folks, your, your race and your gender, uh, and in this stage, your day and age, your sexual preference, is synonymous with being liberal and Democrat. Well, and if you if you dare if you dare to go against that, then they're going to come after you. I mean, well, you know, Tim Tim Scott was called a token on the floor of the United States Senate by Dick Durbin. The Democrats are leaning left; that they are not they're they're moderate to left. They're not necessarily to the right, so they don't want necessarily conservative right. That's the Democrats. I think that's clear. But Rajette, I was listening to Hannity a little bit uh, last night, and he's calling her an extreme. No way. Yeah, yeah, he's calling her an extreme left person. I'm wondering, how are you guys going to counter that this is a leftist here? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a joke. She's, she's center left. She's not an Elizabeth Warren. She's not a Bernie Sanders. There's no way you're going to be able to paint her that way. But, you know, Jeffrey mentioned Sarah Palin, and Sarah Palin on Instagram actually congratulated Kamala Harris last night and actually offered her some good advice based on her own experiences of being on a major ticket. And one of the, the pieces of advice is that people are going to criticize you, but you know, don't let that change you, be who you are. I actually thought, and I'm not a fan of Sarah Palin, but I actually thought she actually gave some good advice to her and because she was in that role and, and knows what she's going to come up against. Well, guys, let's, I mean, let's as far as as far as the criticism, I mean, anyone who does anything is going to be criticized. With that said, the people who are going after her, again, that one person is saying she's not qualified. And that's the most important piece. Well, let's stop right here. We're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to come back and delve a little bit more into just how qualified Kamala Harris is and whether that's going to make a difference with the voters. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, we're back. And again, if you want to join us, you can do so at Battleground PA on Twitter or Facebook. And you can send us an email at topic at battlegroundpa.org. Okay, we were talking about, hey, Jeffrey, Rogette, we were talking about Kamala Harris's qualifications. Let's, let's kind of look at her and figure out how she might compare to Pence. Jeffrey, you want to give us a start here? You're looking at Kamala. You see all of her qualifications, et cetera. You see Pence. How are they likely to differ or, or compare as vice presidential candidates? Oh, it would, it would be, uh, I think, straight out ideological. I, I, I mean, on paper, it, is she qualified? I mean, somebody who's been a, a prosecutor, a state attorney general, 
and a United States senator is by definition qualified for the job. I, I don't think that's the question. I think the question is going to be where is she going to take the job? You know, it's, it's ideology. And in her case, I mean, this is a particular case because of Joe Biden. Joe Biden, suffice to say, is not viewed as, you know, having everything together. So that her her role here takes on a, I mean, is she being elected as vice president or is she really being elected as president? That's a whole different question. And I do think that that's going to play a role here. Jeffrey, you keep saying something about not all together for Jeff. Who, who says that? I mean, that's, is that the Republican mantra that, and don't they realize the Democrats are saying that about President Trump? So we've got both sides saying. Well, all you have to do, all you have to do is just watch Joe Biden. But they, I mean, you know, he thinks Arizona is a city and he, he starts to quote the Decla- Declaration of Independence and, you know, you know, created by, you know, the thing. I mean, I time after time after time after time, he gets into these he gets into these situations where he he just he can't he can't complete a thought. What I'm saying is that that's the same criticism that people on the other side have of Trump. And I'm wondering if that's just going but to. But it be- isn't true. I mean, all you have to do is watch the Republicans are going to have to come up with a better talking point than he's not all together because people look at President Trump every day and have for the past three and a half years. You're going to have to do better than that. A whole lot better than that. Well, uh, all I'm saying is get him out of his basement and let him go to it. He has been out of his basement. In fact, we're going to see the two of them together for the first time in Delaware uh, today, uh, where they're going to be speaking together. And then they're doing a joint fundraising event tonight. And then, as we all know, the Democratic convention begins next Monday. So, you know, we now have both sides are set. Both sides are set now. And it's now time to to, you know, March 4th to November 3rd. But, you know, we didn't really talk about the historic nature of her candidacy. And the fact that she's a woman of color doesn't take away from the fact that she's extremely qualified for this position. Why would the fact that she's a woman of color take away from anything? Well, because I've heard Republicans say, and this has been written in newspapers and whatnot, it's all over social media, that the only reason she was chosen is because she's a woman of color. And that is not true. And the Republicans are proving that by not being able to say that she's not qualified. She is qualified. Well, you had you had a letter from what was it? A hundred African-American men saying that there had to be an African-American woman on the ticket. And she's not African-American. She's Jamaican and Indian. She is a woman of color. She's not African-American. That's all I said. Her being a Jamaican, you know, of Jamaican and Indian heritage as opposed to her being of. African-American meaning here. Uh, right. I, I mean, I just think this, this yeah, should be irrelevant. The case, you know, most of us, most of most people over here are mixed up with something. I know I have Indian in my background. And a lot of people do. So, you know, that's a whole nother show. She yeah, has, I'm three or four has, different nationalities. I mean, herself have called herself a, 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 a black woman herself. But the point I'm making. What difference does her color make? It, it should make no difference whatsoever. No, 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 no. And this is what the difference it makes. It's time that our elected officials looks like the diversity that America represents. That, that, oh, that, oh, that's awful to say. That's you awful. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I that, sounds like da- that sounds like David Duke. I, I mean, good Lord. But, Jeffrey, one of the issues, I think the divisions between the Republicans and the Democrats is that we it is this question of race and whether we should 
make a deliberate effort to include people who are different, to acknowledge there is a difference and to include it. Now, you're saying race and color don't matter. On the other side, they said it has mattered and we need to have that as a factor. Uh, and right. sure we have everyone at the table. Because if you All don't... Right. Let, so let me, let me, let me, so let me put the this out there. Congressman Louis Gohmert from Texas has introduced a privilege revolution, resolution in the House listing all of the things that the Democratic Party is on record for, the five platforms supporting slavery, the, the total support in creating Jim Crow laws, using the Ku Klux Klan as the military arm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's why they want to correct all of that right now. Which uh, is all right. So, so, so my question for this, my question, my question, and I'll give you a heads up. I've already asked this of uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is, will she or will any Democrat at this convention, introduce a resolution of apology for all of this. Okay, Rajette. This, is, this isn't about what happened two years ago. This is about 2020. Both parties have a horrible record on race. Let's That's get not that true. out. Let's, yes, it is. Let's get that out. Let's hit that one out of the park. Huh. Both parties have a horrible record throughout the history of the parties. Both of them, neither, neither one of them are perfect when it comes to race. Neither one of them are perfect when it comes to diversity. One party, one party opposed slavery and the other supported it. Speak, it's my turn. None, none of them have perfect record on inclusion. The point is this, it is 2020, the United States is more diverse than ever before, and it's time to have everyone included. It's not good enough to just be seen, but everyone needs to be heard because there are different issues that affect different groups differently. This coronavirus is a great example. Even now that schools are opening, it's affecting just like it affected black and brown adults more. It's now affecting black and brown students more. We can't ignore that different things affect different groups differently. Okay, Bridget, but me, we're not going to be able Bridget, to address it if we don't accept Jeffrey, the fact that there's differences. Jeffrey, don't you realize if there's a problem with one group, you really need to kind of look at that and, and, and have that as a factor. You can't just ignore it. You know, if, if we know that there I, I just object to the idea that we divide people by race. And that's what the Democratic Party has been about for its entire existence. It has nothing to it do was, about it, 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 it was it was built by slave owners who divided the country by skin color. Then they pushed segregation and and that was about dividing and now it's and now it's so called diversity and it's not about diversity. As I say, if for some reason Tim Scott materialized today as the Republican nominee for president, they would go after it. They would go after a black man and suddenly. Never talk about current day. These marches and protests are intergenerational and they're multicultural. You have uh, white Americans marching for Black Lives Matter because they are tired. Why? Why? Can can I ask, why are there, why, why are there, quote unquote, white people? What ha- I mean, you know, once upon a time, all these people who came here from different countries were Polish, Irish, English, Dutch, French, German, et cetera, et cetera. And now suddenly they're all lumped together as, quote, unquote, white people. Why is that? It's because the need it's because of the need to divide by skin color. That's why. Well, the person that the group. And now you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but it was during slavery. It was white people who divided people based on color. Let's be honest. Democrats, Democrats to a person, and it's my party that stood up and ended it. 
Because you do know there's a difference between ethnicity and nationality, correct? I mean, you're usually the professor, but there is a difference between the two. You can be uh, black, be British. You can be black. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that Democrats need race as their political fuel to pass their agenda, and they always have, and that's what's going on. Democrats acknowledge that people are treated differently because of race. Hey guys, let's and move. Now, let's move back. Let's refocus on Kamala because we're not going to agree on this. Jeffrey, I, I, I admire you for your wanting to be colorblind, but the facts simply don't support it. I mean, this is not the country. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. The country was built on slavery. It wasn't just Republicans or Democrats. The whole American society has a problem. And I think that's what the consensus is, 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 is showing. And it ended, it, it, it ended because of my party over 100 years ago. Yeah, okay. Done. Okay, you know, are, and Democrats and Democrats oppose. Yeah, Democrats voted against the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments to the Constitution. Okay. Let's look at Kamala now. So, Rajette, let's turn to you. What specifically is it about her background that is going to speak, especially to these progressives? Because that's the ones you got to keep revved up, right? I understand there's a lot of excitement now, but is she going to be able to really generate that amongst these young progressives? I think the fact that she's a prosecutor and not because she was a prosecutor, obviously people don't love prosecutors because they prosecute people and put them in jail, but she knows how to put a case together and she's going to be able to make the case to the American people why the Trump administration has been horrible and why we need a change. And that's what I think her biggest strength is going to be. And she's a great campaigner. She has a lot of energy herself, so she's going to enthusiastically make that case, take that message. That's one thing we were missing in 2016 was our messaging. She's mm -hmm. going to be a great messenger for now, the. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to talk to you about what that message is like to be. But Jeffrey, I want to go on your side. Are the Republicans really going to see her as an extreme leftist? Is that really a case you guys are going to make? Sure. Sure, absolutely. I mean, she signed on for she signed on for the Green New Deal, among other things. I mean, I'm already getting this, that, and the other thing from people talking about what she's actually voted for and supported as a senator. Yeah, absolutely, okay. and they should. She, is she about as extreme left as you can get? So you guys really are going to dislike her? Is that is that she's she's no? I no, well, I think I do think this, uh, and you notice the president who who's into branding uh, selected. Uh, phony Kamala for her. I do think that she's got a problem with sincerity here and that people on her own side on the left are going to see her as situational. And Bernie Sanders, she's not. I think that's what they're going to say and, and, and that it's all, you know, depending on which way the wind blows is how she's going to lean. I do think that that criticism is going to be out there. So, so as Republicans here, she isn't really as left as Bernie, but she's close to it. Is that it? I'm just trying to figure out how she'll you do it. She'll do it for political reasons. She'll okay. bend, which is what Joe Biden has already started to do. So. So she isn't really there, but she will go there because she'll be led there. You yeah. mean like the president is changing his positions on different things because of his poll numbers? You mean that kind of bend? <laughs> If people by now don't know what Donald Trump believes in, they'll never know. But well, I, like I said, he donated thousands of dollars to Kamala Harris and other uh, Democrats. He was Democrat. Yeah, yeah, and that was used. That kind of thing was used against him in the Republican primaries, and people didn't buy into it. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, but people buy into this either, especially when people are, are about to be evicted from their homes. 
and whatnot. Because yeah, and who's the one? Who's the one who wants to ensure that they that that doesn't happen? It's, it's Donald Trump. And who's the one that's holding this whole thing up? Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who are willing to let people be evicted from their homes. The Democrats in the House passed the Heroes Act months ago. It's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. So let's be honest about really who's All they have to do is get to the negotiating table and help them. And so Donald Trump signed executive orders making sure that people are not going to be evicted from their homes. And they object. Well, no, it's a, it's a bunch of nothing. I mean, he wants to stop payroll taxes. The people who are out of work don't pay payroll taxes. So that, how does that help them? It doesn't help them. It helps his rich friends and himself again. So as usual, he's thinking about himself. Ah, so uh, class I'm, warfare. <laughs> Next to race, what would we do without class warfare? That's a fact. That's a fact. How do, if someone doesn't work, how do they pay payroll taxes? Deflect all you want, but that's a fact. How can you explain yeah. that? That is a good point, Jeffrey. I mean, the, the, the point is, is that the American people clearly are looking for someone who's going to be on their side, who's going to really understand. And I think they've got, they've got him. That's why he's there in the first place. Well, and I will say this, if he ends up, if the president, now we're, this is a, we're supposed to be talking about Kamala Harris, but I will say if the president ends up sending some money somebody's way with, with a stalemate in Congress, that's going to make him look good. I'm not sure it's enough that uh, will galvanize all the people who are against him to be for him, but yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt. I, I really don't. But let's let's refocus back here on what is the uh, the convention likely to look like uh, with without being able to have uh, you know really people there and all that. Will we be able to keep this in, a, in a word, Joyce? I think it's bizarre. I, I, I mean, and, I mean, that's not a partisan comment. I just mean the notion that you're not going to have thousands of people in an arena yeah. going through the traditions and and we're all about to embark on this strange Republicans and Democrats both is very strange and we're just going to have to see how it works and I imagine there are going to be glitches in all of this I, yeah, I, it, it's just so otherworldly and strange I mean Rosette you're a delegate are you yeah, going anywhere it going? What, no, what? no. We've been encouraged not to go to Milwaukee. Exactly. The president, as you know, he's going to be accepting the nomination in Delaware. Um, there are there are going to be speeches, but it's it's not going to be the same. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. It, it, yes, it is. I, I mean, I think this is one of the grandest of American political traditions, and I've been to more than my fair share of them, and I just think it's uh, it's it's too bad. Yeah. And well, and we will see. I mean, I can't imagine. If you're running the Democratic or Republican Party as the chairman, I can't imagine all the stuff you're you're in the process of doing right now to try and make this work. I mean, it's a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. I guess the one positive about it is both sides are going to save a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that's, that's probably true, right? <laughs> No, but I guess the question is, right now we have this energy, this excitement, and how do you maintain that? through these next months. I mean, I guess that's the thing. And so I'll, I'm going to throw that out to both of you before we move on, because we've got to talk about COVID and we've got to talk about school reopening. But as we're right now, I, I know the Democrats are on a high uh, and I know the Republicans are going to have to figure out how to dampen that a bit. But Rochette, what is the strategy for keeping this energy up here? What role? And then, and then Jeff, we'll pull you in and let us know what, what's going to happen on the Republican side. But Rochette, What's the strategy to keep this going, to keep this momentum going? Well, you know, we're in the honeymoon period now. Our convention's next week. 
you know, we're not naive. We know it's not going to last. <laughs> that the, you know, the attacks. I already saw a couple of attack ads on TV um, against our, uh, against the ticket. So it's very real now for both sides now that the tickets are finalized. But what I feel we need to do is, as best as we can next week, you know, present our platform and our vision for this country moving forward. I think that's what the American people want. They want a vision for the future. They don't want to keep looking to the past. They want to know what we're going to do for them in the future, not just for them, but for their children and their grandchildren and future generations. So we need to present that future to the American people and then afterwards do the best we can to continue to carry that message to every voter we can get to. Because at least here in Pennsylvania, ballots are supposed to start being released September 14th. And you can already now apply for your mail-in ballot. So voting is going to start very, very soon. So we that's need to start reaching as many voters as possible. Yeah, that's another point. A lot of this could be decided even before the November 3rd. People will already be voting. But, Jeffrey, what is the strategy for the Republicans to really, you know, get this momentum, get some excitement behind the ticket? The president's going to have to get out there. I mean, I mean, that's the way you do this. And it's going to be difficult and hard. And his trademark rallies are a question mark at this point because of all of this sort of thing. So they, like the Democrats, are going to have to find a way to do this. And, you know, one of the things about conventions is, particularly in the modern age, but even before television, they really generate excitement within the political party involved. And if suddenly that's not there, now what? (laughs) Uh, They're going to have to find other ways to do it. Now, I, I would, in my partisan opinion, is that Donald Trump is uniquely situated to do that. But still in all, without question, it is going to be a challenge. And I, I do think the Democrats have a particular problem with, with, with Joe Biden because he is the very embodiment of the past. This is somebody who's been in office for almost 50 years or over 50 years. Um, he was elected to the United States Senate when I was in college. There's nothing new about Joe Biden. And all of the problems he's going to talk about, the obvious question is, well, you had all those years as a United States senator and eight years as vice president. Why didn't you do something about it? That's and the going question, to be a question that the Republicans are going to have is Donald Trump ran on Make America Great Again, and people are in worse positions now than they, than they were four years ago. Well, because ago. of China. And, and if the Democratic Party is going to excuse the Chinese Communist Party, then that will be very interesting. I mean, the Democrats now, have a terrible the record. Now, it's because didn't show leadership and take this virus serious from the very beginning. Oh, but he did. Again, starting starting in January, when, when, when Joe Biden the said there should be no China ban because the travel ban because it's, it's bigoted. Uh, actually, yeah. in January, the vice president actually wrote an op-ed, and I'll have to find it, uh, find it and send it around. When the president was saying that it was all going to disappear, he was saying how this was serious and how more should be been should be done on a federal level. Even now with uh, schools reopening, there's no leadership from the federal level. The states and the local governments are on their own, and Jeff, people can see that. For leading us there, because that's our next topic. We really do have to look before we wrap this up. We still are divided on on the school reopening issue and. We have many of, and mostly Republicans, who want to just throw the doors open and let everyone come in without masks, as they're apparently doing in Georgia, to not very good results. Apparently in Georgia, we've got now thousands of kids who are under quarantine with uh, 
So, I, I mean, I don't know. Jeffrey, is the, the way the president has not stepped up to really be able to offer a comprehensive plan. That I, I, just don't, I just don't agree with that. I think he has stepped up. We needed a comprehensive plan for reopening of schools that would offer federal guidelines. Is that not going to hurt his view, uh, the American people, how they view him as a leader? Well, Joyce, this is my point, is that who runs the schools? It's not the federal government. It's the local government. It's the school boards. Let right, them so decide what, what, what is going to be done in one school district in one state is not what may need to be done in the judgment of the people who run another school district in another state. All right, so and when, when, when the president, and let me point out that when the president steps up and says, I have the authority and I'll do it, they all jump on him and saying, you've got to leave this decision to us. The governors and the mayors and the, all the local leaders said, you can't do that. Okay, so, so what, got, it's not his role to lead in the time of crisis. I got no, it. no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have a federal system. He is doing the leading. It's all out there. But if he did exactly what you would say, he would be criticized as being a dictator. And I, I thought we just realized when you're in leadership, you get criticized. You simply do the right thing. But Rajette, well, you know you what? All you have to do is talk to school board members, directors across the state. I'm actually speaking to one tonight, Eric Epstein, here right in central Pennsylvania with the Central Docking School District, which is one of the top 10 school districts in the state due to population, because of population. And the lack of direction, the lack of instruction, the lack of resources, and the lack of assistance from the federal government is just astounding to these school board members. So you don't have to listen to me. Listen to our local elected officials. Well, why don't they lead? Start by the by. Just want to make this point: since the two of us are known as partisan, school board members are not. They can be elected on both sides of the ticket. So you have Democrats and Republican school board members saying that there was a lack of leadership on the federal level. So what is it they? So so in other words, if Betsy DeVos came up with a plan and said everybody in America must do this, you would all support it. If no, it's she just comes up with a plan and says, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to take your funding away from you. That's the, that's, that is the message that we got from the federal government. And it's wrong. What is Biden going to propose? Are we going to get any kind of plan from him? Because let me tell you, I've been critical of that. But I, look, by now, I would say, if I were president, here's what I'd be doing. What is he, when, where is his plan? Are you talking about schools specifically? I'm talking about anything. The whole thing. He should, his head should be on it too, right? Or is, is his vice president now going to come in and take care of that for him? Well, he's been speaking. You know, I disagree with you on this. Uh, he has been speaking out against and I'm the not talking uh, virus. He has been talking to a lot of the science, uh, a lot of the doctors that are, are more involved in this. You know, that's why everything he's doing is virtual. Because yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about speaking out and criticizing and slapdash stuff like we're getting well, from. No, but I'm trying to answer your question. I'm trying to answer your question now. He's telling people to stay home. He's telling if they can. He's telling people to wear a mask, wash their hands. If you're talking about opening schools, he feels as though, and this is again, uh, both of you need to read the Heroes Act that was passed by the democratically led uh, House of Representatives, that there's money in that act that he supports to give to not just local governments, but to also school districts to okay. be able to provide the different resources 
when I talk about resources, I'm not just talking about hand washing stations. I'm not just talking about sanitizer. I'm talking about being able to give children who don't have computers and whatnot at home computers. Uh, internet oh, access. All right, I hear all of that. For so my standards are just too high. I, I have high standards for the presidency, and right now, especially in a time of crisis, I would have expected a clear communicated strategy from both ends, from the president who's sitting there, but also from the challenger. But I get it. I'm expecting too much. But well, that's I would actually expect more from our president because he's actually in a position to do something. Okay. So I have, so I have different standards for the actual president and for a candidate that's trying to give his vision to the American people. If I don't all of this was, why possible. didn't Joe, Joe Biden was vice president of the United States for eight years, why didn't he get this done? The, you're joking, right? You're blaming now the Obama administration for the coronavirus? No, you're talking about kids getting computers and getting help from the federal government. What does COVID have to do with that? I mean, he could have done that uh, anytime as a United States senator and certainly as vice president. He didn't do it instruction is best. That's hands down. Everyone will tell you that. There's not just economic reasons. You know, education is the biggest equalizer, but there's also social interaction reasons. Unfortunately, due to coronavirus, a lot of schools are doing either a hybrid situation, some days in school, some days out, or they're going all virtual. Not oh, every child has a computer at their house. That's it's clear. It's clear. We didn't solve every problem under under Biden and we're not solving them under Trump. So but here's the good news. I, I want to leave on a high note. Russia has a vaccine. Isn't that wonderful? Jeffrey, aren't we excited? <laughs> oh, man. I uh, talk about being wary, you know. I trust nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He says he's given it, injected into his own daughter. Rajette, does that make you feel like we're on our way? I mean, I don't know if Trump is, if the president has, has said anything about this vaccine, but uh, has he talked to Putin about it at all? I think many people are even taking that seriously. Yeah. Well, you should look at it because he's going around injecting people with it and selling it. Apparently, it's being distributed around the world. Someone else. You know, you know, Joyce, first of all, I agree with. I, I, I hate to spoil this, but I, I am agreeing with Rochette. I don't think anybody's taking this seriously. Well, you guys have just blown, burst my bubble. Here I thought we had our Sputnik moment and the world was going to be saved. But I guess once again, I'm wrong and you two <laughs> are right as usual. So, with that, I'm going to have to call it to an end. Partisanship. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you guys are agreeing that Russia should not be trusted. Okay, well, here we go. Thank you again, Rajat Harris, who, who now has a very famous name, and Jeffrey Lord for joining me once again on Battleground PA. And look, please do join us again next week because I have a feeling there's going to be more to talk about. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with Battleground PA. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michelle McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. More info and past episodes can be found at battlegroundpa.org.